All right, let's jump in. If you have a Bible, open up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We, we went up, uh, uh, we, we, we approached Easter in this series called The Path to the Cross, and we looked at a few things that kind of took place in Jesus' life as his life was ultimately, as it were, leading to this, this singular moment of, of death on the cross and resurrection, this thing that we celebrate as Easter. So we did this series called The Path to the Cross, and then, and then we got together and uh, we decided, you know, we want to continue this at least for one more, one more session, and, and that would be, I guess, The Path from the Cross. Uh, because it wasn't just the death and resurrection of Jesus. There were many things, but, but one thing in particular that's extremely significant that, that was to take place after the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that was the coming of his presence. And so uh, this message is the continuation of all that Easter brought us, this continuation of all that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus brought us, and this is his promise to us. Um, you know, have you ever heard this term, I can't help it? Have you ever, you ever used that term? I just can't help it. Raise your hand if you use that term, I can't help it. I can't help it. My four-year-old sometimes he like really wants things that he shouldn't have, like straight sugar IV into his vein. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just took him to the, the Maverick today, and they come home with these little candy toilets <laughs> with candy plungers. And you open up, this is ridiculous. You open the toilet seat to the candy toilet and there's sugar inside and you lick the plunger and dip it in the sugar and you eat it. I'm like, what is this stupid stuff that people come up with to get sugar into us? It's ridiculous. And then she bought them Pop Rocks because they had never had Pop Rocks, which is actually a good call. Everybody should have Pop Rocks. I mean, come on. And so sometimes it's not always appropriate to have constant sugar pumping through your veins. And so occasionally, the evil dad that I am, I say, no, son, you shouldn't have candy right before bed after you brush your teeth. And so inevitably, he bursts into tears. You know, and it's like those alligator tears, and he's just bawling and bawling and bawling. And, and this happens in any number, for any number of reasons, but I just... So often he's just bawling about something, or, and I say, I say, son, son, you need to stop crying. You need to stop crying right now. And he goes, I can't help it. And I go, son, yes, you can. Yes, you can. He goes, no, my tears won't let me. <laughs> like, as if in his mind the tears have the power over his whole body. Like he can't stop because the tears won't let him. He doesn't have the ability. He doesn't have the power. I can't help it, Dad. And I, I say, yes, son. You can do this. Breathe. Do it with me. In and out. The tears won't let me. You can do it. The truth is, sometimes we act like little children in that... Sometimes we don't think that we have the ability or the power to do something. 
when really we do. There are other times that we might not be currently experiencing the ability to extend the power over a situation, but it is available to us. The truth is, in this life, you and I and every four-year-old and 40-year-old and 60-year-old and whatever age you are, we're desperately in need of power and ability to overcome and to accomplish what God has called us to. And so the promise from God is a promise for just that, the ability and power to do what he's called us to do. So let's, let's start in Acts chapter one together. This is what happened after the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. The author of the book of Acts is a, a guy by the name of Luke. He wrote the book of Luke <laughs> and Acts. It's foundational stuff. And so he says this, in the first book, O Theophilus, which means lover of God, theologians tend to believe that that's sort of a general greeting where he's trying to express that what he's writing to is not one specific person with that name, but all those who will be lovers of God to come. And so when he's talking about the first book, he's talking about his gospel, the gospel of Luke. He says, in the first book, O lover of God, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Everybody say began. began. He began to do. What he's saying is everything that I wrote about in the gospel of Luke, all 24, I think, chapters, was what Jesus began to do. And what you're going to see in a moment is that Jesus only stays around for a few more moments. And what he's beginning to tease at is this idea that what Jesus began, he's going to continue, not in his physical presence, but in his spiritual presence through you and I. And so he's going to describe what it is that Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, is going to continue to do not because his flesh, his physical body is staying, but because of what it is that he's sending. So he says, in my first book, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do until the day when he was taken up. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering, the passion, the death of his death on the cross. He presented himself to the apostles and to many people after his resurrection, by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, now listen to this, to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise from the Father, or the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Somebody just messaged us on our 
email and said, why did you mention when you mentioned that you were going to do baptisms on Easter Sunday, why did you say water baptisms? Isn't there only one? And we responded, well, Jesus says that there's two, and so we say that there's two. He says that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so they had come together, and they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Some of them were still thinking that Jesus' role was going to be a physical, tangible, militaristic overcoming of the kingdom for that time and space. Obviously, they had already experienced his physical death and his physical resurrection, proving who he was, but still to a degree, they're asking about the, the, the tangible kingdom of Israel. And so they're asking him, are you going to restore through your power the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's a promise, and there is power. There's a promise from the Father, and there is power that accompanies it. Now, I know that I'm already 10 minutes or so in, but I would like to pray right now. <laughs> because I need, I need Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you that it's not about me and what I know and how much I've studied or not studied. We thank you that your word is alive and your spirit is so real. And that I'm just a, a microphone for you. And so we ask that you would anoint my lips to express your heart tonight and your truth. That your will would be known. That your people would respond as you see fit. We would honor you, both outside and inside of us, for who you are and what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know how people make um, agreements in our society? It's, it's interesting, some of the ways that we make promises. You know, we do this thing. It's a sign. It's a symbol for the promise, right? And some of us, if we're really crazy, we spit in our hand first, which that's super weird, but, you know, people do that. They spit in their hands to shake, which is actually the more sanitary way than being, you know, what they used to do, which is to cut your hand. They call it being a blood, a blood brother, or, you know, you cut your hand and you, and you shake. And th these, are, these are the ways that we, we, we make agreements. It's like, it's like we, we see the, the, this need for some reason to have a sign or a symbol that accompanies the promise that we're making. In other ways, we, we, we add other symbols or signs by sometimes what we say. We say, we say, Dude, I swear. Dude, I swear I will. I swear. Or we say, cross my heart 
hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, <laughs> right? That, like these are things that we do in order to make a promise or an agreement with somebody, right? And if you're a kid, you say, do you promise? Oh yeah, I pinky promise. I pinky swear. Why do we do these things? What, like what? It seems like even from a young age, there's this, so this innate like need to have an outward symbol or sign of the promise that you're making. You know, the pinky promise, actually, I, I, I researched this, it, it came from Asia, and the deal was that if you broke your side of the promise, that they would cut your pinky off. <laughs> so, <laughs> next time your kid pinky promises you, you better clean your room, get the knife, babe. Uh, I mean, it's serious stuff. It's serious stuff. <laughs> it's the sign and the symbol of this promise that we make that we recognize saying, here's the outward expression of the promise that I'm making, and if I don't fulfill my promise, then I'm going to somehow incur physical pain upon myself. You know, God made a pinky promise to us. God made a promise to Abraham. God made many promises in the Bible, but one of them was, I will be your God and you will be my people and you're gonna walk blameless before me. And by the way, if you don't walk blameless before me, I'm gonna cut off more than my pinky. I'm gonna cut off my son. I'm gonna cut off his life. I, that is the punishment that I'm gonna incur upon myself if you don't withhold your promise, your covenant, your agreement to me. You know, I looked it up, and in my Bible, the, the word promise occurs 163 times. God made many, many promises about many, many things. He made promises that he would provide food. He made promises that he would uh, retract the rain. He made promises that he would bring the rain. He made promises that he would give lands to them. He made promises that he would bless them. By the way, Jesus also made a promise that you will be persecuted. There's promises in the Bible that say that you will be blessed. There are promises in the Bible to certain people at certain times that they will be wealthy and, and, and blessed and, and have much. And there are promises to, at times to people in the Bible saying that you will be persecuted persecuted and you'll be put to death. We shouldn't pigeonhole God into just this promise, the ones that I like and the ones that feel good, but the truth of the matter is that God made many, many promises to people throughout the scriptures for many, many different things. But what we see Jesus talking about here seems to be a pinnacle promise. It seems to be almost a more important promise. It seems to be like the ultimate promise. He says, wait in Jerusalem for you will receive the promise from the Father. In many ways, Jesus himself dying on the cross was the fulfillment of the ultimate promise that God made to humanity. That is the promise that he, he made to Abraham and to all the people throughout saying that I will sacrifice my life for you. I will become the living sacrifice. I will pour out my blood for your salvation. So the promise of Jesus dying on the cross and the fulfillment of that was the greatest promise that we could ask for because it accomplished for us reconciliation with God and eternal life. But really, the death and the resurrection was just 
the beginning of the promise. The fulfillment of the promise is when Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem because the promise of the Father is going to come and that is his presence. Because what Jesus did on the cross was accomplish the ability for us to be in relationship with God. But what God did with the Holy Spirit was fill us with relationship with God forever. And so the promise from God is both the sign and the substance. This is what I mean. A businessman says, I promise that I will pay you the money that I owe you. And they shake hands. The shaking of the hands is the sign of the promise. The substance of the promise is actually pain. Okay? Or the child says to his best friend, I pinky promise I will sit next to you at lunch. The pinky promise is the sign, and the substance is actually sitting next to them at lunch. Do you follow? The Holy Spirit is both the sign and the substance of God's promise to us. It is both the pinky promise, the handshake, the outward symbol. It is the sign of the promise, the sign that we know that we've received the promise from God, but the Holy Spirit is also the substance of the promise. Okay, this is what I mean. If you are in relationship with God, in Romans it tells us that you know you are in Christ if you have the Holy Spirit. He is the sign or the symbol or the seal of your salvation. But the Holy Spirit himself is also the substance of the promise. That is to say that his presence inside of our life, that relationship by itself is the fullness of the substance of what God wants for us. This is important to know because what we look at is oftentimes, I'll call it the symptoms of the substance, which would be all the gifts that you might see or you might receive because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. I hope that this isn't, uh, I, I hope I'm not getting like too complex with this, but um, help me, Lord. Thank you. Let me just back up a little bit because I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. The promise from God, the Holy Spirit, his presence was prophesied through the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. This promise was prophesied. This promise was foretold by John the Baptist where he saw Jesus and he said, behold the Lamb of God and he will baptize you later with fire. This promise was declared by the Lord himself in 
John 7 and John 14 and John 15 and John 16 and all over the place. He said, you will receive the spirit who will be like living in water inside of you, flowing out of you. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go, that my physical flesh goes because if I go, then God will send the spirit. This promise from the Father was promised by the Lord after his resurrection here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Go and wait in Jerusalem to receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And the promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when they were indeed obeying Jesus' words, waiting in the upper room. And it says that the Holy Spirit came and baptized them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, what I want to make a distinction between is the symptoms from the substance and the sign. You know, if you're sick and you have a runny nose or a cough or aches or whatever the symptoms might be, those symptoms are not your sickness, right? You say, I have a runny nose. I have a sore throat, I have a, I have a cough. But that's just a symptom of what's going on inside. You have to have a virus or a bug or a bacteria or however it works, something inside that produces the symptom on the outside. So the symptom is an outward expression of an inward reality. Okay, so the gifts of the Holy Spirit the things that we see, the things that we operate in are, as it were, symptoms of the true substance that's within. Do you follow? Okay, so, so this is really, it, take, it really would take a lot longer than one sermon. It would probably take longer than many sermons to really walk through all of what the Holy Spirit can do and does do and, and, and all of those things. And if you want the full teaching, you should enroll in. Heart school, there's a Holy Spirit class. But if I can just briefly describe it like this, that the scriptures in many different places talk about a number of things that come when you've received the sign, the Holy Spirit, who's the sign and the substance, when you've received the presence of God in your life, there are many things that would come out of you. Some of those are the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Right? Some of those are gifts of the Spirit. There's one place that talks about some people being apostles, some people being prophets, some people being teachers and pastors and evangelists, some people being administrators, uh, some people having uh, the ability to speak in unknown tongues, some people, other people being able to translate those tongues, some people being able to, to prophesy, some people being able to, to know uh, supernatural wisdom from God and being able to speak in words of wisdom, some people able to speak in words of knowledge or, or intimate details about your life or your past or something that happened to you. There's, there's many, many gifts. Some people have the gift of generosity. Some people have a special gift of faith. Some people have a gift of working miracles. Some people have a gift of healing. Do you follow? There's, there's many, many, many symptoms Symptoms, and you may have one or two or three or 10 or 20 of them. 
But the promise from the Father is not just the symptom. It's the substance of his presence. I personally think that this is the most important thing to remember. That the gift and the promise from God is that on the cross, he accomplished for us the ability to receive salvation. That is the ability to walk in relationship with him. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out through the promise of the Father, we get to experience more than just believing in what Jesus did or remembering what Jesus did on the cross, securing eternal salvation for us, but we get to experience relationship with God inside of us right now. And it's because of that promise and that substance and that reality of the the literal presence of God, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that we can have the power to do everything that he's asked us to do. The Holy Spirit living in us has given us the power to overcome the sins of the past, but the Holy Spirit inside of us also gives us the power to fulfill all that he's called us to for the future. And so we don't focus on the the gifts, but the gifts come with the Spirit. It's not all about the gifts. It's not all about what you can do and how many you have and how that compares to other people. It's not about that. It's about the spirit living inside of us. And the fact that we have power to do anything in this life, the fact that I'm able to to speak at all and have any positive influence or brings any spiritual change at all is not because Craig Brown is able to do anything. It's because I have power that lives inside of me and flows through me. And that power is not me. That power is the Holy Spirit. And so this is the promise that he made us. Wait in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is going to come. This is the first time that the Holy Spirit came in this way. In the past, the presence of God dwelt in one place behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died on the cross and he breathed his last breath, the curtain in Jerusalem was torn from top to bottom, signifying that the presence, the Spirit of God, was released from one location. And when Jesus poured it out on the day of Pentecost, it was then going to fill his people not just a physical location. And so the promise of the Father is his presence and his power. Because relationship with God is primary and obedience to God is secondary. Doing things through power is good and needed and we must do them. But relationship is primary. His promise is his presence. His presence in us. But his promise is also his power through us. You know, just like my son 
who felt like, I, I can't, Dad, I, I can't help it. I'm not able. I don't have the power to accomplish what you're asking me to accomplish. Some of you might be feeling that way in the spirit. You hear preachers preach about, or teachers teach about all of the, the great things that God wants to do in and through you. All of the gifts that God has given to humanity. You might know some of yours. You might not know any of yours. You might not understand or walk in the gifts that God has given you, but he does want to not only give you gifts, but empower you to use them. There was a, a time in my life where I, I knew Christ and I was walking with him and I had the Holy Spirit available. I, ha I had the Holy Spirit. He is the sign. He's, he's the symbol of our salvation. But I wasn't walking in the fullness of the power that was available. It's a mysterious thing because we know that if you put your faith in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. He is the symbol of our salvation. He's the sign and the substance. But there's something different about receiving his power, about being filled with the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and do through us. Jesus used the term baptism. If you study it, there's all kinds of places where it describes for different people at different times things that happened, that the Holy Spirit came upon them. And oftentimes we see things like they spoke in tongues or they prophesied. And other times we see other gifts. And uh, There's any number of things that, that you might see ways, symptoms that are expressed through the power. The power is the presence of God. Seth, you can join me up here. And I just want to close tonight by inviting you. Wherever you might be at, to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you first with the fullness of his presence and his relationship, and then secondly, to fill you with the fullness of his power. You might pray that he would reveal to you the gifts, the extension of his power, how it is that he wants to, to work through you in this life. The primary thing is that we walk in relationship with God, that we recognize his presence inside of us. But so many of us, we walk around or we live our life like we're just in first gear. When there's, there's so much more. He wants us to, to shift. He wants to hit the nos and send us in power. <laughs> you know what nos is, right? <laughs> yeah, fast and furious. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. And so tonight, 
I just want to ask you a simple question. Are you experiencing the power of his presence inside of your life? Or are you held back? Are you like my son, stopped up because you don't have the power to do what you know you need to do? God has promised us his very presence. It says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you.